Welcome to another episode of the Quaggling Sand Podcast. Today, as I record this, it is the 8th of June, 2021. It's later in the day than normal. <clears throat> I would normally uh been trying to do these Monday night or Tuesday morning. I was thrown off a little bit, uh, but that is the beginning. That's the, uh, the start of the episode today. <clears throat> Ideation. Ideate like a boss. I, uh, ideation is uh, when you have ideas, when you come up with solutions to problems, for example. It's something that uh, I witnessed quite often at hackathons and, well, I mean, in, the, in, the, in engineering, there's a lot of creative solutions. That's part of the job. So ideation is... Uh, a common occurrence, but it's 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 always fun to see. It's always fun to be a part of. And while at the gym in the morning, I uh, I tend to go at unusual times because it's empty. Because normally I don't go to chit chat. I don't I don't want to sound like a, that's a an awful thing, but you know, go to the gym, do your thing, go home. So I'm normally uh, I try to go when there's a, a small crowd, so midnight, 2 a.m., something like that. So the uh, front desk person, I can't remember how we, we uh, how does any conversation start, right? But we ended up eventually on <clears throat> the fact that he's looking to, uh, he wants to learn how to program. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't want to learn how to be a programmer? So especially in the age of no code. You can be a programmer by not being a programmer, I guess. I don't know. So so we were, you know, we were talking. He said, "How what's the best way to learn how to Now, he's not starting off cold. He's he's read a lot of books and we were talking about learning styles. I personally like to learn by selecting a goal. Like say I want to uh a little coffee. You should be having some too. Say I wanted to write a, let's pick one. Um, I, I wrote a war dialer <laughs> in, uh, when I was about 16. So I would like to write a war dialer. How do I do that? So I basically pick the, pick the goalpost and then decide how I'm going to get there. <clears throat> so in that case, it was super, super duper easy. It was, uh, send some, uh, what do you call them? Uh, AT command strings to my modem. And so just have it dial, pick a prefix. And then, so a couple of loops and I'm dialing thousands of phone numbers and recording. I would print out whenever I reached a, uh, carrier, I'm sorry, uh, not a carrier, um, you know, connect tones, right? Whatever I connected. Uh, I, <clears throat> if I recall correctly, the response to a dial command would be a connect and then the speed. So basically if I got that versus, uh, I think it was no carrier was the, uh, right? Yeah. So it's been a while, <laughs> but that was the thing, right? So rather than learn everything I needed to know about AT command strings or 
I wrote it in basic on my Apple IIe. So that was, I kind of knew basic already. So that wasn't a big deal. But uh, another time I was uh, given an opportunity to work for a company called Aditech remotely. They were in Houston, I think. And I was in Phoenix and they needed someone to write some Python or maintain, actually start off with some existing Python code to parse through some logs and do some other, just, they, they had a, a, this was early in their history. They had several, it's a fuel additive company. So they had several fuel additive setups in uh, different gas stations in the middle of the United States and like Oklahoma, Texas, a couple of other states. So say it was like 50 places and they would get, uh, they used UUCP, Unix, Unix copy to copy protocol. I think it is to send updates to a server at each of the gas stations. Then the server would, would, uh, communicate with each of the fuel pumps and the additive management hardware. So there was a little embedded system with a display panel, buttons. It would capture, it would, it would basically inject charges into the card processor. So that was interesting because I had done some credit card processing stuff at Hypercom. So anyway, so they offered me this task and I said, sure, I don't know Python yet. So here's your goal and, uh, offering the language as a requirement is, is one way, uh, that reduces the number of choices I would make. But arguably the reason I am such a fan of Python was that first project. So anyway, so that's what I told this, uh, the guy at the gym, <clears throat> uh, he's an employee there. So, so he, he has he didn't really have any ideas. So his view was, I've read a lot of programming books. Uh, every book I've read says to start off with, uh, with something like JavaScript or Python or Java. So, and those are all fine choices, <clears throat> I guess. Um, <laughs> for some reason, no books suggest starting off with Haskell or Erlang or Lisp, maybe that's good or bad, Scala. But anyway, so he's on this sort of traditional track to, to uh, probably probably the books he's reading are aimed at web, web development, web apps, basic, you know, write your Flask or Django app on the server side. He was not familiar with Cloud. Anyway, so that, that, that's, those are the finer points. So the important part though, I said, <clears throat> whatever, however you choose to learn, if you're going to read, read a lot and then do some hands-on, maybe you have a, <clears throat> like a curriculum that you will follow. Maybe you prefer to, you know, here are 25 steps to learning JavaScript, you know, step one, the hello world equivalent, you know, document print or whatever it is. Okay. Uh, document, write. It's been a while. <laughs> Excuse me. So the other 
direction I offered was my preference, which was you could pick an idea and then decide how you want to get there. And if you're, <clears throat> if you think that JavaScript and Python, which I would say are two fine choices, front end JavaScript, although lately, I guess he has an iPhone, so I guess that's probably it. But lately, Flutter is getting a lot of attention for cross-platform. So Flutter from Google might be uh, another interesting choice. But either way, uh, JavaScript for the front end, not a bad choice. And then Python for the back end, server side, sure. Those sound good. So let's. what do you think about starting from the idea and moving towards tool selection and implementation? path to implementation. And so that was the interesting part, right? Because I want to learn how to code is sort of a can of worms, right? Like that's, there there are computer science majors, or there are boot camp courses, which I'm not a big fan of, or there are uh, books you can read, which he's done. So those are, but those are learning style. Those are are homework or hands-on or exercise. But when you, when you get to the point either first or later, we say, I want to do this. Okay. Well, that's something that that's, that's an engineering problem. (laughs) That's not an academic problem. That's like, okay, well, okay. We need to solve your, uh, you don't have this, this application and that's the problem. (laughs) So let's solve it. So we ended up, uh, ideating. And, uh, I mean, I probably did it a little bit more because I've done it more, but I I would say it, it was a lot more time than I was planning on spending not exercising at the gym, but <clears throat> probably an hour of a conversation was, you know, what, what kinds of things are you familiar with? What kinds of previous jobs, what kinds of interests, things like this. And we ended up with two ideas that he could, they're not intensely complicated. They're reasonably straightforward and they are, they're good learning projects. They would make use of your basic, to get them started, uh, basic, you know, sign up, log in, possibly accept payments, but getting a prototype running, you know, you don't have to, you can, you can have people sign up, sign in. So you're learning about, you know, user authentication, user authorization, you are building basic web interface. Uh, he may want to go with a native interface eventually. That's why I say Flutter or maybe React Native or something like this, right? So, but the the fun part was the ideation, and that is <clears throat> something that's. I was reminded because I think anybody who has been enjoying their time <laughs> uh, working from home. Maybe you were on Zoom calls and maybe you were in Slack. And for both of those things, I uh, I hope you're okay. I'm not not really a fan of either. I actually was, um, for a consulting project, they had a Zoom. Did they use? I think it was Zoom. Zoom or Google Meet. I can't remember which one. But it was a, a video meeting with six six or eight people. Monday, Friday. So Monday it was, hey, how was your weekend? Chit chat, go around the virtual table. And then, you know, any, any sort of stand up, you know, any, any problems, any, anything, any issues. 
And then it was, here's what we want to accomplish this week. So you basically set up your sprint goals. So weekly sprint, you've heard me mention that before. If you've listened to my previous quaggling sand episodes. So a, a five day sprint, uh, technically four days, I guess, or maybe even three, depending on how you look at Monday and Friday in this scenario. But, uh, so we'd have this call, I think it was like, uh, 10 AM mountain time or, uh, Pacific time or, or mountain right now, uh, 10 AM one, um, I think maybe 11. So, you know, get the day started. I think it was, I think it was lunchtime for the Houston folks. So whatever time that was here, two hours difference. So we had, we had the meeting on Monday and then on Friday it was, how did the sprint go? What are you going to do? Um, Next week, uh, not so much working on the weekend, although I was, I lean that way. I'm kind of a, you know, all the time and it was during the pandemic. So to me, that was not a big deal anyway. And I was, uh, billing hourly. So that was fine too. So to me, I'm home growing my potatoes. So why not? So Monday, Friday, and then they used Slack and, uh, Confluence and Jira and, bucket and the the consulting company I was working with was using Zulip. So there was no shortage of, of typing messages and sharing ideas and some sometimes some uh the the term would be mansplaining, although it wasn't always man splaining. <laughs> but um it wasn't so much ideation as arguing or some sniping sometimes. And so, yeah, that was, that was not a healthy environment. So to me, uh, ideation is a lot of blue sky. It's a lot of what, well, I mean, obviously that's, this is idea. I'm not coming up with anything new here, but when you are ideating on a problem, it's not about shooting, shooting things down. It's about, uh, realistically, you know, grouping ideas into possible and, probably not <laughs> you know, things like this. So the ideation collaborative interaction is something that has uh, been difficult to come by during the, the uh, work from home pandemic era. And it's mostly because <clears throat> I think if you're an employee of a company and you're in these zoom calls or you're doing your Slack or your, whatever your meeting culture slash tool set is, <clears throat> pardon my allergies here, whatever your process that your team or your, whatever your infrastructure is, the, that process is part of your workflow. But I think it might not always be a part of ideation. Like how do you, how do you brainstorm in a, you can't brainstorm in text. I think that's tricky. So Slack or a chat, if you're IRC fan, or if you are, which is, uh, Slack is just IRC, just so you know. Uh, so if you are, if you're typing ideas or you are, um, maybe you have like a shared whiteboard or maybe you are using a zoom call and the, your camera is pointing at a whiteboard or at a, a sketch pad or something. So you, you can sketch ideas and you can, and, and that's, I think that's possible. That would probably take some practice, but I think just the ability to bounce ideas around 
and sometimes the idea so in the case with uh jim this morning and i think i think so say when i say this morning i mean probably at this point it's maybe four in the morning so i've been awake for a long time uh the guy working there has been awake for a while so yeah we're you know we've established the fact that he's interested in learning and doing uh Let's just say front desk at a graveyard at the gym is not is not the uh, steady state career. It's more of a beginner. <clears throat> so so yeah. By the time um, by the time I actually headed up to begin my my workflow, <laughs> we basically had spent time coming up with what his interests were as a first project possibilities, and then making a couple of guesses about, you know, some, some pain points to address and some product ideas that could be projects that could turn into things that people would actually use, which would then be a, both a learning experience and a usable goal. Right. And then, <clears throat> and then how to, you know, what to do next. So at the end of that time, it was very interesting. And I think that's the part where, Ideation is hard to schedule and it's hard to uh, constrain. And that's where the Zoom, call, unless you basically have an open uh, or a pre, you know, like a meeting room that you can just go, hey, anybody around, do you want to like have an open ended video chat or however you want, you know, chat or meeting or whatever? Just, uh, hey, I have this idea. And, or I have this problem I want to solve and ideas for solving it. So that, that whole process. And it's something that I think if you've ever been to a hackathon, uh, I've, I've been to plenty and sometimes a team, sometimes a team of one, but often two, three, four people will, uh, will show up at a hackathon, especially if there's free stuff. I mean, Hey, why not? And they will bounce some ideas around based on if there's a theme or um, yeah, based on the hardware selections or the software tools or the prizes sometimes. So they bounce, bounce some ideas around. Uh, sometimes I was at a um, first build hackathon many years ago and the team that came to the, well, there are several, several teams, groups. So some, uh, I'll say team was like they prearranged their, their, uh, their collaboration, you know, who was on the team, who, who was doing what. And sometimes it was more loosely, you know, Hey, you want to go to a hackathon? Sure. So a group of people kind of show up and they happen to know each other maybe, and maybe they'll work together. Maybe they won't, who knows? So this team showed up and they ended up sitting right across from me where I had my, my, I was the team of one from Intel and uh, I basically brought some hardware and I was there to support people, mentor slash, uh, technical support, I suppose, <clears throat> which was cool because I was on the development, you know, so, uh, very rare at Intel to send product development people into customer, uh, interaction scenarios. So we had the developer, uh, what was it called? DR something developer relations, I think it was, and they would go to hackathons usually. And I would go along with them as the, 
the sort of um, hands-on, like, oh, he, he actually worked on the product. He probably knows the answer to that. So it's at the Sackathon. I had a table right across from me. There was a convection oven. First Build was doing kitchen hackery, right? So come to First Build for the weekend and hack on appliances and, you know, smart living. Uh, uh, one of the projects at the end was um, a kitchen cabinet mounted fa uh, farm. Yeah. You could grow small amounts of vegetables in your kitchen cabinets. So the lighting, water, nutrition system for your kitchen farm. That's pretty cool. Anyway, so the, the group, the, the team that was sitting across from me was building a convection oven-based coffee roaster. So you could roast your coffee beans at home in your convection oven. And rather than agitating the beans in the roasting process, they would spread them out flat on a cookie sheet, a flat sheet metal and they had several sensors that they would attach they attached them to uh end of the day it was a uh, arduino mega uh the, the the board with a lot of bios and they attached uh like a dozen different sensors and to measure temperature at different points and i can't remember if they were taking a gas measurement uh, to, to detect uh, we'll call it caramelization, I guess. No, but as you're roasting the beans, you don't want them to start uh, burning. So I was, I did not dive into how they were implementing this. I was watching, and for better or worse, I was tasting the coffee that they were making. And as you know, and as I know all too well, you really are not going to get a great cup of coffee from uh, poorly roasted beans that are roasted right before you. Now, I know there are Ethiopian coffees that you can roast and prepare, but you have to take that into account when you're preparing. Like a lot of coffee, when you roast it, you want to let it sit for a while, degas a little bit. So it depends on a few things. So the coffee was not good. The, the final cups, when they were getting the roast process dialed in, drinkable. But I would, you know, eh, okay. So either way, I, w I ended up staying awake for 48 hours. So that was good. I was able to help people throughout. That was nice. So this team, though, they, they came with an idea. They ended up getting published in the news. They had this coffee roaster product and first build when they were part of GE. Now it's part of Hire. That was their thing, right? Come, come to our maker space and ideate and innovate and implement and when you are done, perhaps productize with us. Hey, why not? So the ideation process is actually fun, I think. Um, it's an opportunity to sort of, well, blue sky or like you can throw ideas out that are silly or ridiculous because those might be rooted in potential possibility, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of a cool, let's see. Um, well, to be, to be honest, uh, one, uh, so I gave I, one idea that I presented to uh, the, uh, the person yesterday or this morning was completely and totally based on his background, his 
interest area is um, aimed at his well, you know beginner skill set. So, but personally, I think it's a viable idea. So I was like, yeah, it's kind of neat. I think you should do it. The second idea was actually an idea that I've had bouncing around, but totally doable at a beginner level. And it kind of falls in line with some uh, some of the other things we were talking about. So not to, not as related to his interest area as the first idea, but either way, the 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 ideation process where you can just throw these ideas out is where you end up distilling things down to you know oh, okay uh, let's invent a perpetual motion machine <laughs> okay that's going to be a really tricky one but do we end up with some sort of a mechanism that will accomplish something that's interesting or fits into some other idea that somebody else throws out right so even though the the spitball idea that you just threw out there maybe a little weird or a little off or maybe you're being funny maybe uh, after an hour or so you're <laughs> you are no longer capable of completely serious ideas, but somewhere in there is a cool nugget that, um, and maybe you don't even uh, isolate that down that day. Maybe, maybe, maybe in the morning, maybe the next day, maybe, you know, some other time, maybe the next ideation session, you pull back your, maybe you have a notebook, hopefully. Remember, remember you mentioned that perpetual motion machine. What if we, uh, and then you go from there, right? So yeah, ideation to me is um, probably the, f- the f- uh, I don't want to say the funnest or the most fun part of the engineering process, but it's up there because it is the, arguably the reason that mo- that most of the people I know pursue engineering in general. I mean, you know, being a programmer is one thing, but like, Engineering is more about tackling problems, problem solving, coming up with a workable solution, whether you're building a bridge or a, or a rocket or a, a web application. So coder, uh, programmer, those are interesting. You have your software architects, you have your computer engineers, you have your, um, well, obviously civil engineering. There when you get into deeper into these topics where you find someone who's like, yeah, I actually design systems. I don't just write native JavaScript, you know, react OS. I mean, react OS, <laughs> react native react OS is something else. Um, react native or flutter or, uh, even WebAssembly or straight JavaScript. You know, I, the, there are people that can do that all day and, they write the the HTML and the CSS and they write some, maybe some node backend or Python or whatever. And that's fine. And I'm not diminishing that. But when you actually architect something, when you apply some engineering principles, when you, uh, experience will tell you over time that you build in testability and then you start exploring, you know, what happens if a user of my, whatever it is, encounters a problem. How do I capture that experience that they're having? How do I, either they file a bug or are they going to email me and try to describe something? Um, time and time again, I have issues with Kroger. And if I contact support and I ask them, I'm using the Kroger website, right? I'll say I'm visiting the website. I'm the, this is not 
displaying correctly. The you know, and it's not cosmetic. I mean, um, a, a balance for a savings thing or some coupon expired and it shouldn't have whatever whatever the case. And the the support person will often refer to things uh, from the UI, as in go to the account menu and my list and then go to the left side you know describing things geographically <laughs> i say can you just give me the url for what you're talking about and i will try to determine and they say there is no url which is funny because there usually is so they just don't know their product so the the point of that is there are people developers uh support people there are people that work with technology that that kind of work at the cursory, the top upper layers, and they don't dig down deep into where the engineering has taken place, right in the in the engine room, down down in the lower decks. So it's I think it's fun to build it up and to have the working system and, and all that. So the ideation phase is where you can kind of let things go a little crazy because you know you're going to be down in the engine room later trying to build the parts that actually will be reasonable and that's usually the the uh, implementation phase which uh, i my new thing now is the ideate um, ideate innovate implement <clears throat> is the three eyes i don't know if i came up with that but that's that's my uh, story and so when you uh after you're done ideating maybe you distill that down into okay well, here's how we can actually accomplish this so you innovate um, I could argue for a fourth eye the integrate so you innovate integrate but that breaks the laws of three so the law of three so uh, ideate innovate come up with how you're going to uh, probably integrate and then implement which does not sound as uh, pleasing to the ear as ideate innovate integrate perhaps but implementation is where it's at and so you got to build something at some point and that is where i get totally stuck because i have too many ideate innovate uh seeds planted and i end up spending all my time <clears throat> lately learning about uh, event source models uh, microservices um just just so many so many ideas about the implementation phase. And if you suffer analysis paralysis, then you are in an uh, infinite loop of explore, consider, ponder, learn, learn more. Uh, pros and cons, <laughs> those will kill you. Like, here are all the reasons you shouldn't use event sourcing. Here's all the reasons a monolith is fine. Here's all the reasons that microservices are going to kill you and make your life better. So there's there's no shortage of these presentations, and they um, they are much more roll up the sleeves and do things based on decisions that will have long lasting impact, which are a little bit more heady. Whereas the ideation phase, you can blue sky all day. Um, nothing you are saying that that perpetual motion machine, you don't have to actually build it. It's when you get to the point where you've said, oh, wait, we're, we're making that. No. Oh, that's going to be a while. So it was a good time. Uh, it's been it's been a while since I've had a 
sort of a blue sky conversation like that. And I, it, they should happen more often. And I think if you have good ideation interactions early on, you, if you, if you say the idea that you were going to do in your ideation phase with others who are similarly creative and yet rational, you will probably come away after one, two, maybe three sessions. Maybe you do it over the course of a week or a month, but you will come away having distilled the ideation, maybe maybe in the innovation step, you'll come away thinking, eh, maybe it wasn't realistic to, to uh, the, maybe that perpetual motion machine is not going to work out, right? But if you don't have that interaction and... Uh, there's there's a story from Mark Searle that I found humorous when we were doing America's Greatest Makers, which is a, a story I'm sure I'll tell at some point if I haven't. The the reality show, that's a that's a longer story, but Mark Searle from uh, Brickley Haas does uh, or was I think he's I think I think they've uh, left Haas to be like a separate entity. But at the time, uh, we had Berkeley Haas folks come in and talk to our contestants about how to develop a plan for your product and your pivoting and your and your uh, product market fit. It was really America's greatest entrepreneurs, but again, different story, different day. So Mark Searle offers this story to people. Uh, he says they had a um, conference of some kind. There was a an audience, and at some point. There was a there was a Q and A or a, some sort of customer uh, audience interaction, and somebody in the audience was describing this uh, this company product. Often those are the same things early, for some. So he had this this thing. He felt it was the next big thing, and it was uh, if you can imagine, sort maybe like a like a horseshoe style or a. <laughs> Was it that they they used to have these bone? What do they call it? The bone phone. These these speakers that would hang around your neck. So just imagine a some sort of a retaining horseshoe, wishbone shaped thing. It's around your neck, down with with the left and right half down on your chest somewhere. And his idea was when you are sitting perhaps lounging on the TV couch arrangement, you could have a keyboard on either side of the wishbone on either arm or the horseshoe or whatever you're envisioning right now. And you could use that to type if you're texting on your phone. And I, it, it might even be that there was a, like a phone stand as part of it so that you could literally be reclined and texting on a tablet or a phone or writing, you know, whatever. So probably you are having a reaction similar to the rest of the audience because apparently, and again, this was him retelling a story. So Mark is describing this and he says, when you had this idea, did you tell other people or did you ask people if they thought this was a good idea? And he said, oh, I've just been working on it for the whole time and I've spent a lot of money and time and built prototypes and all that. And so Mark said, we asked everybody in the audience if they thought this was a good idea. I have no idea what the size of the audience was. I don't know if it was a rousing, huh? 
<laughs> but but that was the the result was the room however many people kind of unanimously agreed that it was not a great idea and it was not something that they would use they could see that this for this person it it met some need that he had but it was not not the game changer that his spend suggested that he thought it might be so the take home as mark was describing is like you should you should have your ideas but you should get some kind of feedback you should f- try to determine if there's a viability product market fit are you being disruptive but within the boundaries of the familiar surprise which is a lowy i can't remember his first name the maya minimally acceptable no minimally advanced yet acceptable i believe is what that stands for i'll um stick some show notes in there about the book the book and the there's a youtube ted talk from an author who wrote about the designer lowy i think it's frank lowy lowy and his uh concept of the familiar surprise so are you being too outlandish and if you've ever heard people say oh it's the the uber of pizza delivery or it's the facebook of photography or (laughs) whatever i mean so basically what people are saying is i'm going to take the thing that you are working on the new product or service and i'm going to compare it by way of this analogy the uh I guess, uh, metaphorically, if you're a simile metaphor person, it is the something of something we all know. So the familiar surprise is you know what Uber is. This is the same thing, but for food delivery. And obviously that eventually became Uber Eats. But, you know, so maybe this guy's um, horseshoe keyboard thing is like the... <laughs> it's the the Etzel of bad, you know, of, uh, of keyboards, you know, it's, it's like a, a, not a great idea. And we've taken it a little bit further in the wrong direction. So yeah, the familiar surprise, the, uh, the innovators dilemma, which is a book I'm reading right now, uh, which is actually pretty interesting. Maybe I'll link to that as well. So innovators dilemma, Lowy and the familiar surprise and Maya, these are all things that <clears throat> come around maybe in the innovation and implementation phase where you determine, especially during innovation, right? Part of that innovation should be viability, right? When we come up with this new idea, is it actually usable? Is it actually appealing? And the familiar surprise idea, basically, yeah, you you want people to not be too put off by something weird, strange, uh, maybe with food, right? If you designed um, a new snack, how often do you see a new snack? How often do you see, like, um, well, in America, seaweed crackers, which are, um, I'm trying to remember the name, but they're very popular in Hawaii. But on the mainland, <laughs> uh, in 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 America, there are some people who will appreciate uh, seaweed rice cracker snacks. I'm spacing on the name, but, uh, I was exposed to them in college with my roommates. 
there were some snacks that they had that I was not a big fan of, but the um, the rice cracker with the seaweed, hmm, those are good. Those are a little unusual for some people, but if you took a familiar snack, so rather than the rice crackers with the, uh, the shoyu, the soy sauce, and the seaweed, which is an unusual, unexpected set of flavors, if you took seaweed and you wrapped it around uh, rice with not spam, because that's a little unusual for, again, the non-Hawaii crowd, but I've had what is musubi with, if you put some sausage in there, right? Uh, oh, oh yeah, sausage and rice. Okay, what's this? Seaweed? Oh, mm. So most of it is familiar. And then there's this little unusual wrapping around it. And honestly, if you've eaten a hot dog, seaweed is uh, <laughs> not a big deal. So the familiar is a good introduction. The surprise is literally the surprise. So if you are too innovative, if you're too disruptive, you run the risk of uh, scaring people off or getting the, the product fit wrong, product market fit, right? So, hey, we have this brand new, and there's a, the iBot wheelchair from uh, Segway Guy, who I really got to remember his name because I keep spacing on it. But when you, when you innovate outside of that box of familiar surprise, Maya, um, or how about it just, it's something that we could actually use. You end up with a product that seems neat, but doesn't work for anybody. So, uh, I think that happens all too often. So ideation, spitballing ideas with other people, which is something I've been missing is I think critical. And it's something I, I actually hope to do more often because otherwise I have, uh, I have I, lots of ideas and then without a project manager or a collaboration development partner of some kind to, to bounce ideas off of and split efforts, uh, you can't really spend too much time experimenting or you can, you can spend all of your time experimenting, uh, difficult to reach the later stages of a release cycle. If you are spending all your time on the innovation and implementation steps without getting out of that loop. So that's been my experience anyway. So I hope I remember everything for the show notes. Uh, maybe I'll, I got to jot these down soon. So, uh, let me, let me get to story time and, uh, maybe we'll come in under an hour today. So I'm going to tell you, this is completely true and it will sound at first as though it's uh, a sad story, but it's, eh, it's, it's not actually. So I used to work at true vision. If you are familiar at all with avid or with pinnacle then, or the Targa video format, uh, I think it was a file format. Really? It was, uh, initially it was motion JPEG video. Then it moved to MPEG. So the container, the Targa file, the product of true vision, uh, true vision was a company founded initially by the likes of AT&T and others to do video conferencing. Now we can do that without even batting an eye. And there are so many, there's so many things we used to have to set up disc, uh, uh, ra stripe raid stripes, right? Uh, raid zero, six disc arrays over SCSI three on a, well, usually it was a, like a 840 AV Mac. 
if you remember those, the, the uh, 68040 with uh, properly implemented Nubus slots. We used the Addo SCSI 3 controller and uh, these stack arrays, the fastest drives, and, and just, to, just to capture compressed 720 inter, uh, interlace, 720i video. Now, where are we today? 4K on your phone. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so we're there. We're doing video. That's that's what we're doing. Um, colleague in sales uh, named Adam. I don't know if I should say his last name. I, I will not today. Well, just, I mean, there's an, it's not bad, but I haven't talked to him forever, so I don't want to. I don't want to open that can. So Adam comes over to me and says, uh, I heard you're, you're departing True Vision. I said, yeah, I'm going to go work at uh, the Newton Group at Apple. Yeah. So after, after I departed, Adam, I think, I think at that time... I think he had, I think his wife had, I think they had just had their first child or they were about to. So, and, and they, the husband, both Adam and his wife were from and are still from uh, Great Britain somewhere. So he said, uh, I have this idea. So after you have left the company, cause he was, I think he was planning to leave also. So to keep, keep the intellectual property boundaries, we, uh, I think we met at a Starbucks uh, Starbucks in, in, uh, Santa Clara. It was, a, uh, I can't remember. It, it was a cool, it was a place where a lot of people would meet cause it was kind of, it was near where Yahoo used to be in Santa Clara. It was near, actually quite near the Intel, uh, that sort of main campus of Intel. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place. It had a movie theater. It was kind of a new strip mall thing, but the Starbucks there, it seemed to be like a little, a mini epicenter of startup ideation speaking of. So we met there and he said, I have this idea because I, uh, we have our new, our, our child now at that point we have a child and both of our parents live in Great Britain somewhere. And so we, we have to share picture. They, you know, grandparents, the grandparents power the internet. If you, uh, <laughs> when it comes to just simple things like I want to hear from the grandkids. So messaging, uh, pictures, video sharing, you think it's TikTok or various adult content, but it's mostly grandparents. They want to see the kids, the grandkids. So he, he says that, you know, we, we want to send them video and any, at this point, again, back in those, those days, you're, you're recording video on a camcorder, right? Maybe it's a little, uh, um, how was it called? They, they, they had these small mini tapes or maybe it's a full size and whatever, whatever the tape format was, it was pre digital. So he's not recording to beta cam, although he could have, because we had, we certainly had beta cam hardware all over the place. So he's recording video on a tape and he's capturing it probably with his target 2000 capture card on his machine. And then what, then what do you do? He's like, you can't really email video. It's too big. Files are too big. This is remember, this is the old days. This was like uh, 1996, 
97, 98. That's probably important. I'm not even going to look because I know it will be close, but it was right around. We'll, we'll get there. So he says, I've, I've obtained some seed money. I, I want to say it was about 50 grand. And I have several people, several former colleagues and friends and whatnot, and, and we have this notion, and he wanted to call it share video. Share video. I want to be able to share video with friends, family, and his goal, his end goal, and so this gets back to probably, you know, this is why I uh, selected the story, really. Um, he had a goal. The goal was not, hey, I want to make a, a thing to share video. It was, I want to send video of my child to her grandparents, both sets, in Great Britain. So across a large distance, unknown internet connectivity, probably modems, who knows, that dial up, right? So, so here's what I want to accomplish. And there's a product in there, and there's implementation, and there's tons of innovation, <laughs> So we gather at his home at some point. I want to say it was like 10 people sitting at a table, long table. There was probably snacks. And we ended up arguing about uh, something as ridiculous as whether it should be flash-based. Things like this. It was, it was a lot of... Uh, the ideation phase was not um, blue sky. It was very uh, subtractive. How about that? So it was not an additive session. It was very subtractive and it was frustrating and it was a harbinger for, for what would eventually come of this effort, which was ultimately uh, giving some of that, whatever remained of that initial seed fund back to the seed investor because <clears throat> most of the people that were in that gathering that day sort of peeled off like, uh, this is not going to work. This is ridiculous. I don't like the idea after this discussion. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think I can work with these people, whatever the case, right? For myself, it was very frustrating to have that subtractive environment, right? So instead of throwing out an idea and building on it, it was throw out an idea. No, that's a bad idea, right? That to me is not a successful way to ideate. And again, this was, <clears throat> this was very early. This was, gathering people together, meeting for the first time and throwing ideas around. And that's, yes, that is where you're going to establish your team fit. Your, what is your team culture going to start to look like? You're, you're planting the seeds of, of a, a co, um, co-worker relations, right? How are we going to collaborate to accomplish this? The end goal of getting Adam's parents' video of his child. So end of the day, it kind of fell in on itself. And, for, you know, uh, shortly after this crazy thing called YouTube springs up out of nowhere, like what, what is this exactly? And as you may recall, it was a separate company that Google acquired, but it was just this startup, uh, people making their own videos. Uh, I think, I don't know where Justin TV fits in there, but the whole notion of live streaming was going to, to follow soon after. So share video was ideation that killed itself. And as it turns out, uh, you would think, oh, you could have been. But when you really think about it, even if we had a, 
even if YouTube didn't come out for another year, they were, they were working on it already. And they, whatever they did, I don't know any of the founders or early teams, but clearly their ideation was more successful. And YouTube today is, is a different beast. And it's, that's a different argument. But at the time, they were able to deliver uh, this platform and, and and again, I don't know exactly what the delays were and the timing exactly. It was after, sometime after our sessions collapsed and the share video idea went back to the, the furthest back burner in the kitchen behind <laughs> the house, behind their house, right? It was way back. So share video essentially dead. And then YouTube launched. So whatever that interval was, there was no... And I will say at the time it was, oh, we could have, but, you know, honest reflection going back in time that that team had their, their act together. They had their idea, the ideation worked, they were able to innovate and, uh, clearly implement and launch. And at the end of the day, they had a, a a successful product on their hands. And I, we probably would have had something that got those kid videos to, uh, and not to diminish that, but you know, grandparents would have been happy with what they received, but uh, productizing it. Eh. So an interesting learning experience to be sure. And I cannot stress enough. And really whether you are listening to this or not and thinking, yeah, or no way, that's dumb. I'm really just reminding myself of this because uh, ideation in a collaboration environment, actually bouncing ideas off of other people, and especially if they're not like my ideas, okay, that's fine. But um, to to t- have someone who has like the inklings and to tease that out into like, oh, you know what you can do? Uh, and it's... Uh, I don't normally like to say, you know, what you should do or like that sort of advice is, is sometimes tricky. Like, oh, you're thinking about uh, changing your diet. You know what you should do? Yeah, I, I don't like to go there at all. Or you're at the gym. Hey, you know what you should do? You should do a set of, no, no. Those are usually better in the form of here's what I do and you can do, what, do whatever you want. But this is what works for me. However, in the ideation phase of a project like this, I think it's fair. More of a, you know what you could do, but yeah, because you're just bouncing ideas around. And I think that happening more often, I know for me, but in general, I think that's where the good stuff comes from, is from additive conversations about new ideas, turning them into I used to tell people that a a hackathon is where you start with an idea and you end with something in your hand that you can touch and play with and show people. And so the ideation phase of that is critical because you may, you may come up with something that you can't even turn into something you can hold in your hand and play with, or maybe you can, but that first step, that's the longest journey that has to start somewhere. So, that is my story. And, uh, what can I say? I had an idea. I ran with it. It's uh 55 minutes later and here we are. So I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to 
turn around now and uh, jot down some of the links that I suggested. I hope I don't miss one. And I thank you for listening. I thank you for subscribing to the show. I thank you for uh, taking the newsletter, which is where I stick the show notes. It is easier than trying to fill in the RSS description text. Uh, the show, this show and the other shows I'm currently a part of, the FFS Talk podcast, which is also me talking. And both FFS and this Quaggling Sand podcast are totally guest-friendly and hopefully also will be live stream chat friendly because some of the things that I've been talking about, I hope we can talk about and possibly have some sort of a Q and a or drop in whatever, all the current coolness. Um, and then the Hugo Floss podcast, which is my mother and myself. My mom has been a podcaster for more consecutive recent years than I have probably more consecutive total years also so we do a random podcast we've had two guests so far one each of on two different episodes so that's kind of it makes it more interesting to have that conversation so if you're tired of listening to me but you think this is uh, interesting in general then come on down so you can uh, email me here dhugo d-h-u-g-o at quagglingsand.com you can also reply to the newsletter email, which I believe is quagglingsand at substack.com. But you can just email. They're, they're all going to go to the same place anyway. So, yeah, drop me an email. Tell me uh, you want to link up and uh, have a conversation about something. The Quagling Sand podcast is about just, well, <laughs> arguably, it's about ideation, implementation, maybe some innovation in there somewhere. Like, what are you working on? What am I working on? Some random ideas. And maybe maybe this turns into an ideation uh, platform or forum, right? Like, maybe oh, it'd be kind of fun to have, like, a random call-in style and just do basically do what we did at the gym this morning, right? It could be as simple. I'll, I'll give you a very quick version of ideation unexpected ideation um if you've ever used lyft or uber you have probably heard a driver comment on the the surge pricing and the percentage and when there was the rate reductions um you know especially the big one that happened several years ago where where uh uber cut their prices by like 25 percent or 50 percent or something it was around the holidays and it was a competitive move and it really screwed people over because they had least expensive vehicles and suddenly now they're barely making their lease payments. So I used to say, what if you, as the driver, what if the driver community created their own platform that was a competitor to Uber and Lyft that was owned by the drivers themselves and you enabled direct connection with your uh, clients, with your customers, clients really. And where the client could actually, hey, I want to, I can, can Joe come and pick me up, or can Ann get me at the airport, or whatever, right? So you develop these relationships with your customers, and sure, here in Las Vegas, a lot of times that would be a tenuous <laughs> weekend relationship with, uh, with you know, 
somebody's in town for three days and then they're gone forever. However, they also may come back. And so rather than just being a pool of drivers that are handing over a non-trivial cut of their efforts to a company that is just connecting a client and a service provider and taking a cut, and you would think that's trivial, and yes, they did a lot of work on the legal front, and yes, they cover insurance for a dollar a ride, and you know, so there's there's some upsides, but is it possible to compete against that? Sure. Uh, after all, you're the people doing the work. <laughs> so my version of ideation with the driver would be, what if you did this, and what if the drivers got together and you could set your prices, and there would be a market uh, rather than a price set from on high? It would be bidding, perhaps, or you know, there'd be some sort of a reasonable interaction with clients and and all this so so ideation on the spot is kind of fun but we could certainly do that right here on quaggling sand why not so drop me an email subscribe to the newsletter uh twitter quaggling sand there's uh there's an instagram which i really should start posting to but the social media side of things is uh, a frustrating morass of political and and uh, flame war, cancellation, all this silliness. This is why I like the idea of podcasting, talking to people, and bringing the discussion into an interactive forum like this. So Twitter, meh. But there is a Twitter for Quaggling Sand, just in case. But drop me an email. Let me know. Join me. Have a discussion. Let's ideate, come up with cool ideas, and uh, maybe you want to implement them too. That's up to you, and I know I have uh, a lot on my plate, but let's make some stuff. All right. Thank you for listening. Catch you later.